Attack, a 90s podcast overflowing into the slime-filled past. I'm your wacky weatherman, Brett. Yee-haw, and I'm your overly excited southern corn cereal-eating buddy, Alex. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> now, Brett. Yes? Speaking of you with the weather, it seems to be a bit cloudy outside, uh, maybe with a chance of thunderstorms. I- any clue what this has to do with today? Well, Alex, we'll definitely be heading through some turbulent weather today with today's episode, which happens to be another miniseries review, this time of the Tomorrow People's Monsoon Man. Monsoon Man? It sounds like we need to put together a storm chaser team for this one. I wouldn't want to enter this treacherous topic alone, so who do we get to join us today? Uh, well, some other other people I reached out to weren't too, uh happy to participate in riding the lightning. So let's see who else I can cook up on my weather-altering machine. One moment. Oh! Ah! <laughs> wow, I didn't expect you to teleport into our um, into our slime tag today again. <laughs> Welcome back, Meg. How are you, you doing today? I'm doing well. Doing well. What's the forecast for today? Uh, I think it's cloudy with a chance of miniseries review, but uh, we'll get into that in a few moments. <laughs> cloudy with a chance of overacting and scene chewing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll have a lot of fun with this one, whether you whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, yeah, this is gonna be a fun one. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, well, but before we get into it. Uh, because obviously, for those uh, who are just learning about this Minisode series, uh, listening to this episode, we have two other Minisode series where we talk about the origin story and the Culix experiment. And uh, for this one, Monsoon Man, Megan decided to join us. It was actually her idea because she had never seen the Tomorrow People before. So have you known anything about the Tomorrow People before we get started? No, just the 2013-14 reboot with Robbie Amell. That's it. But I never did watch it. I just knew of it because Mm -hmm. he left uh, The Flash to go star in that. Yeah, so this was all new territory for her. I had to give her a basic, very, very basic rundown of the first two mini-sode series. Uh, So if you've not seen either of them before uh, the previous two, you don't really need to for this. Uh, Just get a basic idea of who the characters are, and that's really all you needed. And mostly you just needed Megabyte and... um, Adam. Adam. Uh, Those are really the only two that you really needed to focus on, and and their basic abilities. No, and Naomi Harris. What was Naomi Harris' character? Amy. Amy. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, all the stories are 
self-contained, but they do have like loose threads across them. Basically, just what its more person is, uh, their connection to that weird Pacific Island underground mothership, and you know, exploring different telekinetic powers. And I think each miniseries arc they get like one or two new ones, so it's interesting to see as as things unfold. All right. Well, uh, do we want to do a quick recap of what the previous two seasons were about? Sure. Um, I can do Origin Story and you can do Culex Experiment. Perfect. Okay. So Origin Story in a nutshell, without going back to our episode, which is episode 24 on our Splat Attack timeline. Um, basically, Adam washes up on a beach somewhere in the Pacific Island area of the world and he comes across a strange mothership that's buried under the sand. He gets sucked into it, he learns about, you know, what it's like to be a tomorrow person and these powers that he discovers, as well as like other tomorrow people who are also like young kids to teenage age uh, in the world. Uh, most of them came from Great Britain in the first one. And um, when Kevin, the character who may not appear in this current one, uh, talks to Megabyte about having the strange visions. He ends up having like these weird dreams where he he goes to that Pacific island and then meets up with Lisa from America, who he's never met before. So through their telekinetic link, they're they're getting to know each other. They're getting to know their powers, and they're also getting to know the, the villains who are after them, who want to utilize that power and cash in on on them for fame and fortune. Uh, mainly Lady Mulvaney. Um, uh, a professor and Gloria, that like Terminator robot lady, uh, and then Colonel Masters, if I remember correctly. So they go through a bunch of chases throughout the city to capture these characters one by one, starting with Lisa, uh, you know, setting up a device at the Hollywood stage where she performed and she first teleported by accident. And uh, they, they, they capture her briefly briefly in that machine, but Megabyte destroys their machinery just in time when he gets there uh, to free her from that. And so through these series of incidents, they all come together, realize they have the same power, and they're all tomorrow people, and, you know, figuring this out at the mothership. And then uh, at the end, General Damon, who's Megabyte's father, uh, joins them to stop Lady Mavenny and her massive arsenal of firepower in her helicopter uh, at the beach at the end. And they all just kind of cheer and splash in the water and celebrate a victory of not being killed <laughs> <laughs> and for the Culex experiment uh, yeah. Kevin got bit uh, at the very beginning of the Culex experiment from a mosquito and goes into a coma and the other characters uh, are trying to we also are introduced to Amy in this season who happened to also kind of go through the same story arc that Lisa did uh, only much quicker and the three of them had to figure out what was happening with these mosquitoes and uh, with the assistance of Kevin's aunt who was a veterinarian and turns out that there is a scientist nearby Dr. Culex who has <clears throat> a fascination <clears throat> with mosquitoes <clears throat> we'll leave it at that <laughs> and she has developed these weaponized mosquitoes essentially and she is wanting to get a, a hold of this other invention that her old partner had come up with that multiplies and clones uh, living creatures and she was wanting to put her weaponized mosquitoes into it and make millions and millions and millions of mosquitoes for world domination and of course the the tomorrow people end up thwarting that with the assistance of Megabyte's father uh, which was great to see that character come back so that is 
Felix experiment in a in a mosquito shell. <laughs> An exoskeleton. Well played. Exoskeleton shell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're gonna jump into Monsoon Man today with a different cast of characters who are the villains and um, some some key characters as well who are on the Tomorrow People side, and uh, we'll see what we think of it. So starting off with the episode info, uh, the Tomorrow People Monsoon Man is a five-part miniseries like all the other ones. It aired February 8, 1994 to March 8, 1994, and it was written by Lee Pressman and directed by Neal Leonard. And the synopsis for part one is as follows. Lucy Allen, an eager young reporter, bumps into Adam outside a nightclub while hailing a cab, where he instantly falls head over heels for her. Before witnessing a baffling occurrence of a cat burglar while on her way home, there is a break-in at a nearby house. He comes across strange machinery which he tinkers with, the cat burglar. A surge of power sends him flying out the window, covering him in ice. He staggers out into the street and collapses in front of Lucy's cab, shivering and surrounded by glass. Momentarily, Lucy listens in as Dr. Roberts informs a policeman that he is suffering from frostbite and is covered in glass. Lucy tells him her interest in journalism, but disinterested, he simply sends her away. The next day, Adam calls to meet up with Lucy and returns the travel card that she dropped the other night at the nightclub. She invites him into her apartment where she is currently staying while her sister is away. Adam takes her to the reporter newspaper office for an interview after a long-winded speech about how reliable she is. Meanwhile, Megabyte is strolling through the breakfast aisle at a grocery store. At a nearby display, a salesman is trying to sell a new American cereal, Colonel Cobb's Corn Crinkles. Megabyte tries a sample, making a revolting face in disgust, Blech! but then buys two boxes for his sister. After Lucy convinces the boss with a rousing speech, uh, Mr. Bishop throws her a bone and gives her her first assignment, a dog show. Unhappy with her writing topic, she decides to follow up another story, telling him about her strange occurrence the previous night. Meanwhile, Amy argues with her mom about assuming her role as a tomorrow person, which she actually already did in the Culex experiment. Lucy heads back to the house with Adam where she saw the frozen cat burglar previously. Lucy mentions the dwelling having its window already repaired. Adam reluctantly helps her climb over the wall, but she is repelled by the shock of an electric fence. An inventor named Middlemass and a henchman named Wilkie who are working on a weather machine head outside to hear what the ruckus is all about, then quickly return to their work when the coast is clear. Adam and Lucy part ways for the day at her place, and then she hastily runs inside to grab her camera for her mission. Lucy returns to the electric fence with a rope and manages to maneuver herself past it, Indiana Jones style, and enter the yard. She knocks into a watering can and some flower pots, causing Wilkie to return outside and check the noise once more. He senses something is suspicious, but she manages to sneak past him and into the house. Now inside, Lucy then follows him into a purple-lit corridor downstairs, where she sees him and Middlemass using the equipment to generate a rainstorm inside their laboratory. Lucy seizes the opportunity by taking a picture of the far-out sight. However, the sound of her film rewinding catches the attention of Wilkie, and he chases the eager reporter out of the house. Thinking quickly, Lucy ducks behind a garden wall. She puts the film in a red envelope marked urgent, so urgent and posts it in the delivery box at the reporter, unaware Wilkie is still pursuing her. At the very moment Lucy returns home and calls Bishop's office to explain what she saw, she gets kidnapped without a trace. 
The next morning, Adam goes to Lucy's apartment, but finds an elderly couple living there instead, claiming they have been there for six or seven years. Adam is perplexed by the encounter. Back at Amy's house, she is greeted by Megabyte, who unfortunately has been with, at odds with Miss Jackson due to Amy's involvement with the Tomorrow People. After a brief argument, Megabyte leaves. Back at the Pacific Island mothership, Megabyte teleports in to vent to Adam about his day. Adam deflects Megabyte's response. Back at Amy's kitchen, Amy eats some of the corn crinkles and is unimpressed with its taste. Amy senses Adam needs her help. Miss Jackson is unhappy of Megabyte's visit and tells Amy she doesn't want her getting into any more trouble. Back at the mothership, Adam has told Megabyte about Lucy's disappearance. He wonders if Bishop knows where she is and if they both teleport to the office just after Mr. Bishop's secretary sends away Lucy's letter for delivery. Once the secretary leaves, the boys hear a phone message and her sudden cry. Immediately, the boys teleport to the house where they hear her voice screaming, Help! Help! Somebody, please! Adam and Megabyte follow the sound of Lucy's voice into the lab and unfortunately find themselves ab abused by the professor and henchman. Both the Tamar people are instantly zapped with a purple jolt of lightning, sending them flying into some mattresses in the corner. Middlemass begrudgingly tells Wilkie, Wilkie, I didn't build the machine for this. Wilkie disregards Middlemass, pulls out a large needle full of green fluid, and smiles a sinister grin. And enjoy the fun. End of part one. <clears throat> so, how do you feel about Adam having a love interest who's also a key character in this miniseries, and what are your thoughts on part one in general? Well, I want to get started with uh, what I think of Lucy real fast, because this one will... will this will be a fun dynamic between the three of us. I, I can... I can promise you that okay. uh, I like the character overall of Lucy uh, I really like that Adam has a love interest um, I think it's awfully rushed but I do think a lot of this is rushed and that's part of the problem whenever you have a five part miniseries mm -hmm. and you're introducing a character out of nowhere um, if this was a character that was introduced in a later se or a previous season and then was put into this one and just had motivations to want to be a reporter, okay. But to start this just right out of the gate was it was a difficult thing. And I'm gonna forewarn right now. I thought of a lot of constant pop culture references throughout the entire miniseries. Uh, the first one was how the two of them met was very much the same way that um, Ross and uh, Claire met on the movie Scrooge. Mm. Uh, the, the exact same way, because they they dropped something, and then they both bent down to pick it up, and both their heads collided, <laughs> and then she started calling him Lumpy for the rest of the movie. <laughs> so. You Prince Arrow, right between the eyes. Oh, God, are you all right? Oh, you know, you, you probably should move some of those. You had a bad blow to that. Where did I get you? You got me right here. And the sidewalk got me back here. Oh, it's going to be quite a lump. I'm sorry, here. Is this, this yours? Yes, it is. Thank you. You had some things, didn't you? Yes. Here. Oh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Hey, it's okay. No sweat. It happens all the time. Oh. oh! See what I mean? I'm here. Uh, I instantly thought of that. But I like the character of Lucy, but I did have... In, in it, it's really super... It's really superficial for me to say. But before I go into it, because I'm sure this one has the same idea, what are your thoughts on Lucy? I kind of found her annoying. <laughs> <laughs> now, in what way did you find her annoying? A a character or otherwise? I don't know. Like, I, I don't like some of the choices she made. Like, I know you're all about getting a good story, but it's like, sometimes you gotta, like, think, use your brain a little bit, honey, because there were so many times it's like, okay, she's gonna get, like, I knew, I yeah. like, oh, God, I mean, I just knew and it we'll, was gonna happen. I thought, and every we'll, time I kept rolling my eyes going, like, and we'll get in, keep doing that? We'll get into that when we get a little further in the story. Yeah. but She's definitely the, very ambitious at the expense of, like, everything else. She's a little overly ambitious. Like, I, I mean, she's supposed to be, what, 15? 33. I, I, I noticed on her travel card she was 33. 33? Yeah. <laughs> in the first scene. Oh, it's like wow. a close-up of it. Because I was like, is she a teenager? She looks like a teenager. But she I could thought, be. <laughs> I thought, I don't know any teenagers that are this ambitious to already to want to work like that. Like, they're, I mean, it, they're far few. I mean, if you're desperate for work and you're 33, yeah, I would it's, say if anything she is like a job. Job. <laughs> It could also be a fake ID just to be able to get the job that you want. Yeah. yeah. She, she's McLucy instead of McLovin. <laughs> they all look like teenagers. Her character very, very much throughout this entire miniseries reminds me of Lois Lane. Yeah, yes. How, she, time. how she's so ambitious about wanting a good story, mm -hmm. much to her not really thinking things through and getting herself into the constant damsel in distress type situation, which was... A pretty notorious thing to happen in kid shows in this particular time period. Um, yeah. Which, you know, damsel in distress are, are fine if it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You're just wanting to put it in just to have it in just so you have some more drama. But we'll we'll get to that a little later. But you had also said something else about Lucy. which And this is what I was talking about earlier with it being a bit um, superficial. Mm -hmm. Because you said something physically about her bothered you. Oh, her eyes. Like, her eyes bother me. <laughs> She's got very, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's just the shape of her eyes that I just... Or how dark know. they are? Yeah, like, they're very dark. I don't know. Mm. I, but at one I point... I never noticed. But at, like, like, but at one point... <laughs> at one point, Megan had said, Your ears are big. Your ears <laughs> Glad are, I noticed. Your ears are big, your eyes are creepy, and where are your boobs? <laughs> yes, that's what I noticed. <laughs> don't ask me. I don't know. <laughs> You're not allowed to say that. This lady can say that. Yeah. <laughs> Why are your boobs, Because I, I was like, I was like, Naomi, you can see hers. Just fine. <laughs> Somehow you saying that reminds me of weird science now, that scene where they like try to create the lady. <laughs> <laughs> Anything bigger than a handful, you're risking a sprint tone. Zero in. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, speaking of pop culture references, I'm going to fly through some of these. Whenever sure. the uh, cat burglar was covered in glass and frostbite and then m moses his way into the street to try to get help, 
the way that was shot and the way it was choreographed reminded me of the end of RoboCop. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> You're welcome. Ugh. The uh, other one is last last miniseries. We had a J.K. Simmons look-alike, and in this one, we actually have one that's more in line for personality with uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Because her her potential boss was very much that kind of personality. I'll tell you what happened. I found out you had to learn to walk before you can run. Mr. Bishop. Don't I get a chance to speak? You want to be a journalist? That's great. But you don't just come in off the street and start right at the top. But Buts, I don't want to hear. I'd like a job, sir. No jobs? Freelance. Best thing in the world for a kid your age. You bring me some more shots of that newspaper-selling clown, maybe I'll take him off your hands. But I never said you have a job. Meat. I'll send you a nice box of Christmas meat. Best I can do. Get out of here. But uh, the other couple things that I thought of was... I was afraid that the corn cereal was going to end up becoming like a Soylent Green type situation. Ooh. Or what was it in Buffy? The the Double Meat Palace? Oh Ew. gosh, yeah. Is that what it was called? Double, yeah, that's the episode. Double Meat Palace. Well, in the, the restaurant she goes towards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was afraid it was going to be that, and at one point they even did make kind of a reference to that, because he said, I, if, I will eat you, if or it will eat you, or yeah. something to that effect. Yeah. I was like, oh, man. He's I like, I'll have you with dinner, or if you screw this up, I'll have you for dinner. Alrighty, I'm depending on you, boy. Get this right, I'll have you to dinner. Get this wrong, I'll have you for dinner. You gotta tell him, Silent Green is people! Stop, everybody, you have to stop. Hey. Stop eating. No, you can't eat it. It's not beef. It's people! It's people! So I was really afraid that the, one of the twists at the end was that he was going to... The, the, the secret <laughs> ingredient for his cereal was people. But that's not where they ended up going with it. But not, not that I didn't mind it, but I would have been really shocked if, if they went this far for a kid's show. Yeah. Uh, the electric fence part. Mm-hmm. First of all, her performance when she got shocked cracked me up because that was... <laughs> the most unbelievable ow this hurts i mean it sounded convincing to me it just seemed a little more dramatic like ah! yeah yeah <laughs> and that reminded me of jurassic park quit worrying will you oh, oh, oh! you okay that actually reminded me of the ren and stimpy uh episode sven hog with don't whiz on the electric fence yes so you whizzed on the electric fence, didn't you? Don't whiz on the electric fence. Uh, the other thing that I, th- I thought of pop culture-wise was how when Adam came back to visit, and it was an all-new family with an all-new look. It actually reminded me of the movie Flight of the Navigator. Oh, interesting. Because in that movie, uh, the main character gets taken by a ufo he doesn't realize that's what had happened he just falls asleep okay megan is going to go check on the little one right now okay speaking of falling asleep yes which that one needs to do but he to him he just fell asleep in the woods and then he wakes up but he hasn't aged a day but in Mm -hmm. reality it's been 
like eight years or ten years or something to that effect, and then he goes back home, and his family has moved out, and there's an all new family that's living in there, and it looks completely different. But to him, it was just he left and came right back. But right. to everyone else, it was like ten to twelve years, something to that. It's like that. the Rip Van Winkle situation. Where's my mom? I have no idea. Are you lost? Hey! Where do you think you're going? Now, just a minute. You've made a mistake. Mom? Dad? And the, the only other uh, reference that I thought of was uh, during the whole time when Adam is in the house in Lucy's apartment and Miss Jackson was, was the one he was talking with and he's going to leave. All I thought of was the song. I'm sorry, Miss. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. I am for real. You got to put that in here. <laughs> do do like a, a megabyte edit where he's uh, outcast singing it. Like I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, I am for real. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, I am for real. I was really excited for the season with the fact that Megan was going to get to see the mothership. Mm -hmm. because I was trying to describe to her what the mothership was like in the previous two seasons. And I was genuinely looking forward to see what else we were going to learn from the, the mothership this season. And I hope you enjoyed it in that one scene in the first episode, because <laughs> that's all we got of the mothership. Be you. And uh, the last thing that I wanted to say about this first episode is it's goofy it's over the top. It is hemi acting, but this is a thriller TV show for kids. So all of the villains are extremely cartoonish. We'll uh, get to that. I have things to say about that. <laughs> yeah. But for this one, uh, with with uh, with Wilkie, uh, with his his slight underbite, it, mm. looks as though you let them escape. You are cruising for a bruising. Now get the boss on the phone. Me? Why me? Because our little caper's been rumbled, and the big guy's gonna have to be told. Well, you tell him then, matey. There's nothing pertaining to security in my job specification. Huh? Give him my regards. He, um, he reminded me of George Costanza with a Brooklyn accent. Yes, yes, <laughs> only more murderous. Shut your traps and stop kicking the seats! We're trying to watch the movie! And if I have to tell you again, we're gonna take it outside and I'm gonna show you what it's like. You understand me? Now shut your mouths or I'll shut them for you. And if you think I'm kidding, just try me. Try me. Because I would love it. I enjoyed the villains in this movie, all of them, or this movie, this series. <laughs> Mini series. Yeah. What, what did you think of the first part of this episode? Of this miniseries? First thing I said was, I hope it gets better. But <laughs> usually the first part is the worst. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, I've, I feel like for the most part, for being a kid show, it still set up, you know, the plot pretty well. I feel like, you know, it left you, you know, hanging on a cliffhanger. I, I like that it did that so that it would entice people to come back for the next part or, you know, hook them in. Uh, so I, I do like that. I don't have anything negative to say about that but yeah it's it's just because a lot of it was very overly silly and goofy yeah but it's cheesy it's not made for our age and it's, i have to keep going 
it's the mindset of a kid. It's for kids. Yeah. It's for kids. <laughs> you know, yep. but uh, except for using 33 year old actors to play kids. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, uh, so I, overall, I feel like it was okay um, for a first episode. You know, typical, usually the first one's always kind of the weakest, mm. unless you are certain shows that come out with a bang. Let's start things off with a bang! Yeah. Thank you, sir! I don't know. I still feel like it was enough to pull people in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like the setup fine enough. There's nothing too, too interesting. Honestly, my background is the most interesting part of that part where we get to see the weather <laughs> machine in action. Yeah. Oh, man. There's Wilkie in middle mass right now kind of testing things out, which that's what roped me into this show when I was a kid for the first time. Aside from Culex experiment, um, you know, I saw Monsoon Man more than anything. Oh, even more than Origin Story, too, when it was first on in 94. And I just kept seeing commercials like, oh, what is this interesting weather machine? What is this show? And I just tuned in to find out. And I, I kind of tuned everyone out who I found not interesting during the plot. I was mainly just watching for Adam and Megabyte and seeing them blow stuff up with the weather machine. Or am I a genius? Hey, I guess you wouldn't be picking up a million bucks just for making coffee, right? <laughs> you know, if that's all you come come to Tomorrow People Monsoon Man for, with those low expectations, you won't be disappointed. But if you're looking for something a little more theatrical, a little more in-depth, like Doctor Who, sorry, this isn't quite up to snuff yet. Yeah, it's it's silly, it's cheesy, it's fun. Uh, it, but and and that's what I'll have to. Say. I'll I'll dive into that a little more at the end. Uh, mm -hmm. And I did think, boy, that was awfully convenient to have those two mattresses right there. At the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Union rules. <laughs> There's uh, there was quite a few conveniences throughout this miniseries, more so than the other two. But yeah. we'll get to those. Sure. Take it away for part two, Alex. All right. Moving on, Amy possibly having a vision, sees Megabyte and Adam in trouble. She screams and whips up a telekinetic storm in front of her mother and manages to teleport them to her kitchen as Wilkie is about to inject them. Oh, Wilkie and Middlebass look at each other confused about where they disappeared to. Wilkie calls his boss in Florida who warns him to cover his tracks. They pack up the machine along with Lucy and leave. Adam and Megabyte enter Amy's room. They want her to help them find Lucy. Mrs. Jackson doesn't want her to go... See? See? <laughs> we see? should just say that every time we say her name. <laughs> we just made that reference while you were out of the room. Mrs. Jackson doesn't want her to go, but Amy asks if the roles were reversed, if she needed help, would she want someone to? Her mother reluctantly gives permission, and they teleport to the house. Looking around, they are suddenly interrupted by Mrs. Butterworth, an mm, elderly pancakes. woman. I want the pancakes. An elderly woman tending to her garden. She denies Lucy's existence, but invites them inside to prove her point. She says that I have lived in this house for the last 45 years. Surely by now I would have noticed a secret laboratory under the stairs. 
Megabyte finds a cupboard where the laboratory was, crashing into her belongings. With that troublesome incident, she orders them to leave at once. Adam recalls the same thing happened at Lucy's house where there was an older couple living there, uh, though not actually there earlier that morning. He decides to go back to the apartment to investigate further while Megabyte and Amy follow Mrs. Butterworth in the, into the city to eat more pancakes. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, Wilkie and Middlemass drive to a large warehouse where there is a large inventory of Colonel Cobb's corn crickle cereal. Wilkie asks Lucy what she did with the photos. Lucy, not taking the situation seriously, Wilkie stabs her with the truth serum that makes her say that she was at the newspaper office. Wilkie and Middlemass head over with the machine. Meanwhile, Adam heads over to Lucy's house to see if the older couple are still there and the house is completely empty. Amy and Megabyte see Mrs. Butterworth from the house, get into the cab, and they follow her in another cab. After... More pancakes. <laughs> more pancakes. <laughs> Sorry. After which she, after the, uh, I've always wanted to say this, follow that cab. Elsewhere, Wilkie is trying to sweet-talk the secretary, Annette, to get information on how to contact Bishop. He claims to be an old friend, but keeps getting Mr. Bishop's first name wrong. However, he convinces Annette that it's his birthday, and he wants to send a card. It's your birthday? It's your birthday? It's your birthday? She finally gives in and hands him the address. As for Megabyte and Amy, their cab breaks down and they realize just how many black cabs they could follow in the heart of the city. Megabyte and Amy suddenly spot Mrs. Butterworth, leaving a donut shop after having pancakes and follows her to an actor's representation office as she demands her money for her performance. Bishop calls Lucy's house. As Adam picks up the phone, Bishop has the role of film that Lucy took and is needing it to be developed as Wilkie and Middlemass are at his home controlling the weather that catapults Bishop into the river. Adam teleports to him and pulls him out of the water. Middlemass says the machine's out of power. Adam is helping Bishop to his feet when the van speeds towards them. End of part two. Now things are ramping up. Brett, what are your thoughts? We, I, I talked at pretty good length for the first one. What, what did you think of part two? Uh, now I'm suddenly hungry, hungry for pancakes. Hey, who else could go for some flapjacks right now? That aside, um, I found this one pretty interesting. Um, I, I like how we see more instances of the weather machine being used outside of the laboratory and them continuing to kind of cover their tracks with the, with the actors pretending to be actually living in the places that Adam and Megabyte and Amy are investigating. Um, I, I don't know if we really need more banter between Miss Jackson and Amy. Um, do, just going over the same stuff from Kulik's experiment, I feel like it's just... It's not really taking us anywhere. It's just filler, and that annoys me. Like, if they had something new to talk about in regards to her being a tomorrow person, or if, like, how Miss Jackson could also get her uh, psychic powers, maybe. Every time. <laughs> this is going to be a very silly synopsis, I tell you. I mean, to... <laughs> There's a lot of cartoony stuff here. But, um, yeah, yeah, I felt like that was a lot of filler. Um, I wish there was more mothership scenes, especially with amy adam and megabyte there instead of just like two or one of them there at a time uh lucy getting herself into too much trouble um Talker. yeah 
Yeah, I mean that's that's a re recurring pattern throughout all of these, but we'll we'll talk more about it later. Uh, my favorite part is oddly enough, Mr. Bishop being, being catapulted into the river because that image stood out with me ever since I first watched it. It was like that, and then the the purple swirl that emits from the weather weather machine going wom 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 wom. Megan, what did you think of uh, part two? Uh, from what I remember seeing before I dozed off. I think it oh, was no. at but, the end of this episode. But also, it was a late night like for 11, us. 11, 11, So she was just getting tired. She fell asleep uh, during the interview of our first mini-sode, because it was 3 o'clock in the morning when we did that one. Oh, yeah. Callback! Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh... Okay, so the Mrs. Butterworth character, like... Okay, I found her annoying to listen to, to talk. I actually found her delightful. She was hamming it up. <laughs> and at first I didn't know if it was a dude or a girl, because she was like, very manly with her accent and everything. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a wolf, and then you're going over here to the wall. You're going to have to go in my house. Aha! Who have we here, then? The three little pigs? What have you done with Lucy? 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 Oh, I knew a Lucy Bradman once. Uh, married a dentist from Ditchling. You know exactly what we're talking about. Excuse me? Lucy Allen, you're holding her hostage against her will. Hostage? Oh, this is Bayswater, not Beirut. Like, okay, like, okay, and that's the one thing. I was like, okay, why are some people in this show British and some Australian and some are American? What, what town? And then they're, so it's like they have to be living in in Europe somewhere because their cars are driving on the mm. left side or the right side or I don't know but I was like it's it's a little bit of every flavor of English here I guess I was like good lord it's like I'm confused it's a hodgepodge <laughs> but yeah Miss, Mrs. Bloodworth and her oxen was anyway with her teeth she taught her teeth a lot so. I played the role to perfection. I played my role to perfection. And though I say it myself, I was an artistic triumph. She's very much a thespian. And yes. She likes to flaunt it. Which, I mean, I'll just speak to our hearts as many times as Alex and I have done Shakespeare. But I liked Megabyte's performance in the audition office <laughs> in order to take a look at the brand of the check so that they can further their investigation. Ah, yeah. I actually thought that was one of the smartest things in the show. Yeah. Just to give a really bad performance to somebody who's used to looking for good stuff and then just give a massive eye roll and get frustrated to the point where I just don't care anymore and, and look, just do a quick peek while you're doing this. That was really smart. You don't have to take it. Just got to get a look. Yeah, because if he actually got the role, oh, boy, that would really throw their investigation off course. Like, oh, now I got to show up for... For this, uh, was was it that he said toothpaste commercial or something like that? Zit like, cream, so, zit cream, zit cream pimple cream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember much about the episode though. I'm sorry, but I just remember her and her accent very well. But uh, yeah, you started to doze off near the end, so you I got through most of the. I episode. still will say, I, I think like Wilkie and another character we haven't mentioned yet is definitely still my favorite to the whole show. Even though he was an over the top villain, like I'm the villain. <laughs> It, yes, <laughs> I love it though. I like over the top villains, so yeah. I, you know that's what makes me think of Mark Hamill when he would play the trickster. Good morning, sunshine. It's a beautiful day in my neighborhood. <laughs> my neighbor, 
That's the one thing I've said I wanted to do in theater is that I want to do a show where I can be a villain because I want to be like an over-the-top villain or something. I've been the villain a couple times, but never to a, a play where I could overact and ham up. And, no, and, you got to be the devil. Yeah, but that that still wasn't <laughs> that still wasn't uh, being able to chew the scene. No, but you were um, just there. This uh, the pop culture references. Pop culture. This. <laughs> we did our own segment okay. title card. There you go, yeah. <laughs> the main plot for this reminds me of the movie The Avengers, mm. not the Marvel version. The, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. But the, the Diana Rig? The one? It, well, Diana Rig wasn't in this one, but it's the same thing. Okay. Uh, Diana Rig was in the TV show. TV show, okay. Gotcha. But this was the movie of the TV show uh, yeah. in okay. 1999 gotcha. that had Ray, uh, Ray Fiennes okay. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uma Thurman and Sean Connery. John Connery was the villain, and his plot was he has made satellites in outer space to control the weather mm. and would use extreme weather to hold the world ransom. A man with an umbrella is a man praying for rain. And a man without one is a fool. Never trust the weather, Sir August. Rain or shine, all is might. It is not a good movie, uh, but I love this movie. It is, it is a good comparison for Monsoon Man because they are both extremely cheesy and really fun, but you got to be in the right mindset for it. Yeah, but, definitely. But Avengers is not a good movie, but I I do have a soft <laughs> place for it, and I also do really like those moments whenever somebody is kidnapped and they're being interrogated but they're not letting it get to them and they're just ribbing them the whole time. Uh, remind, reminds me of Poe Dameron on Star Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, also reminds me of Black Widow and Phil Coulson at yeah. the beginning of The Avengers. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. This moron is giving me everything. I don't give everything. So who talks first? You talk first, I talk first. The old man gave it to you. It's just very hard to understand you without a... Surgeon. Listen, I want you to talk, and you are gonna talk. Why is that? Oh, you lonely? Let's see, what should we talk about? How do you reckon the Rams are gonna do this season? I'm warning you. So, you taking a vacation this year? Tell me, what is the inn resort for stressed-out thugs and hoodlums? And uh, the scene when Wilkie is trying to get the information from the secretary and he's constantly messing the name up it reminds me of dirty rotten scoundrels with uh, steve martin and mm -hmm. um michael kane me and len we go back years his name's les uh, les sure whatever i'd appreciate it if you could let me know where i could get a hold of dear old des des lenny won't forget this his name's les i know somebody here i met him on a train his name is His name is James. No, his name is James Josephson. Lord, no, no, James Lawrence. Lawrence, 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 Lawrence Fells, Lawrence Fangs, Forrest Lawrenceton, Lone Lars, Lars, L Lawrence, Lawrence. Luck. 
Lawrence. <laughs> His name is James Jessenton. Lawrence Fell. Lawrence Jesterton. Lawrence Jesterton. Lawrence Jemison. Yes! 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 <laughs> We're like this! The, the two things, I agree about the mom. I really didn't need to retread that territory. And this one hadn't even seen the first one. Or, or, or yeah, the, the, the second ep the second season when we first see the mom, but the whole time she's kind of shaking her head. And then yeah. how in one, yeah. maybe two sentences, complete switch, and both Megan and I are going, what? She's not coming with you. I don't want you taking her away again. But, Mom, a girl's gone missing. Amy, I heard what your friend said, and it's a terrible thing. And suppose it was me. Say I was in danger. Amy, I'd be tearing my hair out with worry. You know that. And suppose there was a person who could help, someone who might be able to find her. Wouldn't you want that person to do everything they could to bring her back? Do you really think you could do that, darling? I can try. We can try. Please. What? Yeah. You could have just nixed all of that and you would have lost nothing. Yeah. They could have just had everyone back at the house and, and converse there and then formulate a plan. Mm -hmm. And you would have lost nothing but had more to gain from it. Uh, and better yet, or either have them reconvene at the mothership for more scenes, talk there, learn about some new powers they can use to stop the weather machine, and see like a more intensified demonstration of the weather machine other than yeah. launching Mr. Bishop into the river, which is fun, but I feel like they could still do more. But speaking of new power, this was the first time that I had seen another character teleport other characters to them, because mm -hmm. that's what Amy did. Uh, yep. Whenever the room was shaking and she could sense that Megabyte and Adam were in trouble, she teleported them to, to her. her. Yeah, that yeah. was really cool. Was cool. I enjoyed I that too. I was I was waiting for that to come back again later in the ep later <laughs> in the season. It reminded me of Stranger Things a bit with uh, Eleven kind of using her telekinetic powers. I don't know if yes. you've seen that, but um, just being able to move things with her mind always fascinated me. And the last thing was the actor, the the agent, the representation agent for, for actors. I knew that guy. It was really bothering me. He looked very familiar. And I, I, I figured it out. He was, well, after doing a little research, he was uh, on Ace Ventura when nature calls. Yes, he's the safari guy. Yes. Now is the winter of our discontent, made glorious summer by this son of York. Grimby's just war has smoothed his wrinkled front. And now, instead of mounting barbed steeds to fright the souls of fearful adversaries, he capers nimbly in a lady's chamber to the lascivious pleasing of a lute. Tra-la-la! The crossover but, you never knew you wanted to see. But I did like this. I, I really like the story. Uh, I, I like how, again, episode two, it's picking up, and I like that. I like where it's going. It's got some really interesting ideas. Uh, and it's a bit more hokey and cheesy. We don't really have any bad actors in this ep in this season. Everyone yeah. in this is being very intentional with their performance. Mm -hmm. I, I'll be very over the top or fairly, fairly subdued or just their usual self. There's not yeah. one performance I would call really bad in this one. It's the first no, season I've been able to say that. They're all owning it for sure. Yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying this quite a bit. Uh, cool. uh, there are some things I didn't like, but 
the others are willing to make me just uh, there's there's more for me to enjoy here Alrighty. well moving on to part three where things get interesting wookie and middle mass are heading towards them and they miss as adam and bishop teleport somewhere else not only that megabyte teleports next to them meanwhile wookie and middle mass find they have a flat tire and argue over whose fault it is while middle mass threatens to quit wookie essentially you know convinces him that you know the boss is gonna get him real good if he doesn't, you know, follow through. So he eventually backpedals and um, helps him fix the flat at once. Amy's trying to check out the Triple C company, the company that hired the older woman actress. Lucy is acting asleep, so her being no use anymore, Wookie tells Middlemass to kill her, giving him a gun. He leaves on a motorcycle, not noticing Lucy has gone. Mr. Bishop gets the pictures developed and is stunned to see the weather machine in the photos. However, Wookie disguised as an old cleaning lady dusts around Mr. Bishop's office and puts a device on his desk. A detonation device to be exact. Looking through the pictures, Adam discovers the ring that Wookie wears on his pinky finger and knows, makes the connection with the ring on the cleaning lady. They find a photo of Wookie and notice that despite his face being covered, uh, he has a distinctive ring. Adam suddenly realizes the cleaning lady was wearing it and finds the bomb. Wookie detonates it, wrecking the office, but in true Kingdom of the Crystal Skull style where they survived the blast by hiding in a metal cabinet. Lucy was able to escape, luckily. Amy, having breakfast with her mother, notices the corn crinkles packet and suddenly realizes that the Cobb Cereal Corporation was behind Lucy's kidnap. Mr. Bishop is telling a detective about the bomb, meanwhile, in England. Amy teleports in and tells him what she's found out, that the Triple C's main office is in Florida. Lucy turns up and Adam tells the police to let her through. She introduces her to Amy and Megabyte. She tells them she was held in a warehouse out of town. Adam tells the others to go to Florida while they go back to the warehouse to find even more clues around the, the pickup truck. Megabyte and Amy teleport in front of Lucy, leaving Adam to handle the explanations. Megabyte and Amy finally arrive at Cobb's main office in Florida. Amy alerts Megabyte that they must see Cobb. A tour guide, Tammy, is showing around a group in the distance. Adam teleports himself and Lucy to the warehouse, and Lucy notices the car is actually gone. Tammy shows the tour group Cobb's private elevator, which can only be accessed by secret security code. After the group moves on and one of the kids fiddles with the actual elevator buttons, Megabyte uses his powers to gain access. They head up to the penthouse, and Amy finds a display showing a map of the Earth's orbit. Cobb comes up behind them and tells them they took the wrong elevator. Cobb asks them if they like his cereal, and Amy and Megabyte assure him that they do. He sends them on their way in the elevator, then presses a, another button on his desk. The elevator fills with gas, knocking them unconscious. That is the end of part three. So what do you find most shocking as the plot intensified in this part? Uh, I can tell you the part that she found the most shocking. The the cliffhanger that she got to see on the... On the uh, beginning part of part four because she slept through this entire episode oh no this yeah i do boring, remember, huh? i do remember the part though when they were in the um the warehouse with the tour because i remember the tour mm -hmm. guide mm -hmm. bit i must have woke up for a second for that yeah <laughs> but, yeah yeah i did i felt like but yeah i caught pretty much was caught the whole thing what happened in the recap so that mm -hmm. i didn't feel like i missed really too much so no no you you still got the the basic plot plot thing plot things anyway i really did like 
the thing that I found the most shocking is that they're genuinely trying to kill these kids. You don't really see that on Nickelodeon. Ever. Yeah. Uh, the only other time you really see kids in yeah. mortal danger is Are You Afraid of the Dark? And mm -hmm. even that show has a body count. But you've never seen the attempt to try to kill these kids. Mm -hmm. You usually just see the afterwards where you see like the ghost and then yeah. you find out what happened to them. It's very rare when you've actually seen a, a genuine attempt to kill somebody. By and, an adult, not like a monster or a yeah. supernatural being. I mean, there was there was guns involved. There was explosives involved. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if I had seen this, if I knew about the show when I was a kid, I would have dug every bit of this. Mm -hmm. uh, this is right up my alley. And uh, I really <laughs> I got to play some of it here, but I've got to play some of Colonel Cobb. Do you kids like my corn crinkles? What? Corn crinkles! Do you like them? Me? Yeah, yeah, I love them. And my mom, she's a big fan. Yeah, I, I bought two boxes this week. Real tasty. But do you truly, truly like them? Definitely. My favorite. Good. I'm real, real glad to hear that. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> and uh, I trust all those little security glitches have been uh, eliminated. We controversially. Every hole filled, every loose end tied, every wrinkle ironed out. Good, good. Because if there's one thing that makes my blood froth, it's incompetent slipshod slapdash security! Yes, indeedy. Yes, indeedy do. The day I have waited for for so long. The day those fools are going to finally sit up and take notice of Jeremiah Jacob. The day the rains came down. <laughs> His performance is, he just relishes being able to play a villain. And it's so over the top. And I yeah. love it so much yeah it, it's like he's related to yosemite sam that was the constant thought i had in my yes. mind like you're fucking fragging varmint how dare you double cross me <laughs> you know but uh the with thing... a little bit of the uh foghorn leghorn yeah, kind of yeah. Well, i say, I say now over there bubba. the roughest toughest he-man stuffest hombre has ever crossed the rio grande and i ain't no man be pamby that dog i say that dog strictly gi Gibber idiot that is. Pop culture references. Pop culture reference. Uh, I instantly thought of James Bond with mm. the elevator because yep. they do that twice in in the Bond franchise. They do one where it is exactly that Bond in Diamonds Are Forever. Bond is in the elevator, going to the top floor, and Blofeld gases the elevator and he passed he's passed out oh, no it's when he lowers the elevator but still uh blowfield gasses him and then puts him in one of those stupid traps that's supposed to kill him and the villains leave and that bs you press l mr bond the word lobby begins with l But yeah. uh, the other instance was in The Spy Who Loved Me. But instead of it being gas, it's a trap door. 
where he's supposed to fall down into the chute that lowers him into a shark tank, but he had spread his legs apart to catch just the limbs of the uh, uh, the ledges of where the trapdoor is. Goodbye, Mr. Bund. You did want me to drop in. I was really entertained by the kid on the tour. He reminded me of Tiny Toon, <laughs> the yeah, Tiny Toon Adventures episode where Plucky's like making the elevator go up and down. Like elevator go down oh. the hole. Go <laughs> down the hole. <laughs> yep. I pushed the button. I push it. I push it again. I push it again and again and again and again. Don't overdo it, Plucky. Once is enough. <laughs> Elevator go down the hole. I'm having like some serious amnesia because even though I watched the entire series yesterday, it's hard for me to recall. Even as yeah, I'm there reading. wasn't a whole lot in part three that was really overly memorable. No, uh, it it mostly felt like filler outside of that one part with the explosion in the office. Yeah, and yeah. and the part with the elevator right at the very end. Those are really the only two big. And, and the introduction of Colonel Cobb in person. Yes. Yeah. Most of yeah, everything that's... else is kind of forgettable. Yeah. For this, episode, for this, yeah, this episode. Painfully average. Alrighty. Well, uh, well, take us into part four. Hopefully, we get a little more turbulent uh, weather going on here. Oh yes. So for part four, the Colonel tells his henchmen to. Why don't you boys go in there and give it a good old clean out? If you get my drift. Huh? Meanwhile, Wilkie is seeing Middlemass off at the airport when the henchmen, Twitch and Beef, retrieve Megabyte and Amy from the elevator. Adam and Lucy have found nothing at the warehouse, but Lucy points out that they haven't checked the truck. However, it seems to contain nothing but boxes of cereal. Adam tries to contact Megabyte and Amy telepathically, but gets no response and realizes they need help. He tells Lucy to go back to town, then teleports out. Witch and Beef dump Megabyte and Amy at the bottom of the elevator shaft. Tammy leads her tour, her tour group into the elevator, heading down to the basement. Lucy spots Wilkie driving back to the warehouse and decides to go back. The elevator des descends towards Megabyte and Amy. Amy wakes up and calls out to Adam. Mm -hmm. Here's Amy, and he teleports into the elevator and pushes the emergency button, allowing Amy to teleport herself and Megabyte and comes around in Amy's room and they each exchange their information on Cobb. While Lucy is following Wilkie on a motorcycle. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bishop is beside himself and Annette helps cheer him up by saying he should go on a complete break and leave town. After he tells her at this time, if any pint-sized, half-crazed killer comes gunning for me, for Pete's sake, don't give him my blasted address. Adam, Megabyte, and Amy see Cobb leaving his penthouse and head back up in the elevator. Amy shows the others the display that she found before, but they can't understand it. Megabyte finds ID papers for a NASA scientist named Mel Zimmerman. Adam sends Megabyte and Amy to check out the address since they think Cobb's out for the evening until Adam hears 
the colonel is coming back to the office. He hides the open map screen on the wall, and he hides. As he hears the master plan between him and Middlemass to take over Central America and wipe out all of the cornfields and his cereal maker competition while telling him that he is now Zimmerman. Later, Wilkie stops briefly for a snack and unknowingly bumps into Lucy. Megabyte and Amy go to Zimmerman's place and Amy decides to knock on the door. However, they find it open. The television is on, but no one is to be seen. Meanwhile, Cobb sets Middlemass up to impersonate Zimmerman. Adam teleports to the foyer in between Twitch and Beef, who chase after him. He manages to knock them down with cleaning equipment in a very well-choreographed fight scene. Middlemass uses Zimmerman's ID to enter a NASA facility where he tampers with a satellite, switching its circuit board for another one, and early the next morning, Lucy follows Wilkie to a car park. Wilkie spots her in the mirror. She checks out the cab and finds a map of Battersea. Wilkie suddenly grabs her. End da -da of part four. This one had a lot going on in this one. Yeah. This yeah. breakneck pace. Talk about pacing. They just scrunched everything up into this oh. one and be like, yeah. boom. Fireworks everywhere. Brett, what did you think of part four? Oh, I loved it. It was my favorite part of the five parts. Spoiler alert. Um, tons of action, plots thickening, you know, the, the master plans ramping up where they're sabotaging the satellite with the, with the not microchip, but it's like circuit board. Yeah, they're putting that into the, the satellite device, which is pretty interesting. Uh, I found out that they actually got footage uh, from NASA to shoot this, so good on them for doing that. And see, uh, I thought, I didn't know that was NASA until the very end. I thought that was the Kennedy Space Center because obviously they're in Orlando uh, whenever mm -hmm. they film these kinds of things. And Kennedy Space Center is in Florida, so it's fairly close. Yeah. I thought they might have just got stock footage from that. But no, it was it was from NASA, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah definitely. I thought, it. yeah, they, they didn't go for the easy route for that one. What did you think of Twitch and Beef? <laughs> Uh, very, very simple henchman through and through, but amusing. Uh, he reminds me of, um, Beef reminds me of Kalimbo from the season six Are You Fair of the Dark episode called The Tale of the Zombie Dice, who just pretty much grunts and looks imposing. Uh, if, if, if you've seen it, you'll know who I'm talking about. Oh. Okay, Frankenstein, whatever. Yeah, it's it's amusing because Twitch does all the talking, and um, the thing that stood out to me the most is the elevator scene where they're thrown into the shaft and the elevator's coming down, and I'm just waiting for them to go splat until Adam presses the emergency stop button at the last moment, and it's literally like an inch away from their faces, and I'm like, how are they going to move out of there? Even if even if they're teleporting, like how do they get the actors in there? And ugh, it, it gives me serious claustrophobia, and that. That has definitely stuck with me since a childhood, that scene. Now, what did you say about this scene? Uh, the elevator? Yeah. First of all, I thought, okay, if she can teleport, why didn't she just teleport herself out of there? I guess the anxiety made it hard for her to concentrate. That's what he said, and I was like, okay, but I was like, that's, I don't know, but I was like, that's the first thing I would have thought, like, well, I can teleport out of here, and bye. And I can teleport other people out of here. 
Bye. I don't think she, she's the youngest or the newest member of the, the, the Tomorrow People group, um, at least for arcs two to four. So I think she doesn't have a full grasp of her powers quite yet. It's still like happening okay. in, in like happenstance instead of like, I have full control of this. Adam's the, the unassumed leader of the group. So he has like full understanding and mastery of his powers. I mean, she she that. still, well, she still teleported them out. Yeah. She still grabbed the other person, still grabbed Megabyte, and the two of them still teleported out because he was asleep when that when that happened. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. still, the only thing I, and much like you, the only thing I could think of was if just that moment. if it's a fairly young teenage teenage uh, young adult age girl who wakes up and sees an elevator coming down it's easy to panic in that moment so mm -hmm. i'm 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 letting it slide but at the same time i'm like writers come on mm -hmm. you you could have saved some saved a few seconds of time there uh, just to <laughs> just to, to to put towards something else but yeah. uh, more beef and twitch Speaking of that uh, that scene, pop culture reference. Pop culture reference. Uh, makes me think of Mission Impossible, the very first one, the the movie mm -hmm. uh, from '96, I believe. Yeah. Uh, because there was a scene in that where Emilio Estevez was on top of the elevator, and it starts to go up, and then at one point, uh, Tom Cruise and another character have to escape under the elevator. And they they go out through an escape hatch. Uh, yeah. Instead of the elevator going down and and crushing, it actually was the opposite. Uh, these mm -hmm. different spike things came down and 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 shish kebabed poor <laughs> Estevez. But they uh, nearly avoided a fatality. There there is one thing about this also. Well, a couple things in this episode that really got me going. Come on. Whenever they checked the area, that the garage, the, the little car park or garage or whatever you want to call it, warehouse, yeah, the last thing they checked was the truck. Are you kidding me? That should have been the first thing you checked. Mm -hmm. And then when they lifted up the, the truck, and then all they show is just boxes. They didn't try to and touch it. And they were like, oh, what is happening here? Yeah. Oh, darn. And I'm thinking, look Remove the boxes. behind <laughs> the box. <laughs> Jeez. And I mean, you could have easily taken some of those seconds away from when the elevator was coming through if you had teleported out, tried to move one of the boxes and found that they're not moving because they were attached to a door. And even if you tore the plat the, the cardboard and you could see the metal behind it, then they're going to know there's something there, which is mm -hmm. fine. And they could have found a reason as to why they couldn't teleport into it because well, there's obviously something here, but I have no idea what's back there, and, and I could put myself in danger. How can I get in here without putting myself in danger? And then they start to communicate with, try to teleport, uh, uh, telecommunicate with Amy, and then realize that she's in danger, and then con continue as, as you have been. There you go. Fix your script. <laughs> uh, but uh, that bothered me. And also, what were you saying about Lucy at the very end? Like, first of all, she's following on... A motorcycle and she's uh, like on top of him following him i'm like you can't get that close if you're gonna yeah. follow somebody no wonder she was caught i mean you'd have to be i know it, in broad daylight in she was literally daylight. right right in the mirror's view if anything you should be like super uh, close to the truck or on on the other side of the trees where the yes. entrance is yeah that bugged me too oh uh, i'm sitting there going why 
You just want to be kidnapped. Are you here? Is what I want to be like. You just want to be kidnapped. Yeah, you're yeah. just. Yeah, I was like, you're just asking to be kidnapped. I mean, come on. You you literally just got freed, and now you're like, well, let's see what else I have. Let's see if I get too, kidnapped. Again. Too ambitious, that young girl. Not thinking. I told you she annoyed me. Yeah. This this was the part where I went. She she's going full Lois Lane. Yep. Is constantly getting herself in danger for something really stupid or, or doing something really stupid. Mm-hmm. I like what they were trying to do with the fight scene, the, the quote-unquote fight scene with the the mop and the mop bucket, but yeah. it's a, you, you guys aren't fight coordinators. Nickelodeon doesn't have fight coordinators. Just mm-hmm. stick with the chase scene. And also, yeah. Adam, why are you chasing? You teleported in. Just teleport right back out. Yeah. You don't have to run on foot. Yeah. I guess they just need it for drama, dramatic effect. Yeah. Just to make something more engaging and fun, which is fine, but dude. Yeah. Some of the holes are showing. Well, uh, we're going to wrap up with part five of the synopsis now and uh, see if the weather is going to cause a cancellation or if it's going to clear up and bring out the sun. So Lucy's kidnapping doesn't last long as she bites Wilkie and runs off to her motorcycle. And then she tries to leave, but unfortunately her cycle does not start and Wilkie ends up backing over it. Meanwhile, at Zimmerman's house, they get a tip from his parrot saying, where they find Zimmerman tied up. He says some big guys made him hand over his security for the space center, security card, something like that. He tries to stop the countdown, but his phone line has been cut. Through the window, they see the shuttle take off. Wookiee greets Cobb and Middlemass at the airport. Megabyte, Amy, and Zimmerman watch a news report on the shuttle launch as Adam teleports in and explains Cobb's master plan. They're worried he will destroy the ecostructure of the entire planet and not just Central America that they had previously planned. Their only clue is the chart in the office and Megabyte realizes they could get Zimmerman to look at it and interpret it. Lucy bumps into Mr. Bishop in a shop. Although he isn't happy about being dragged back into things, he agrees to drive her to find the truck. Adam, Megabyte, and Amy teleport Zimmerman to Cobb's office and show him the chart. They accidentally trigger a booby trap that fires tranquilizer darts. They avoid them, but an alarm just then alerts Twitch and Beef. Zimmerman sits on a dart by accident and they try to keep him awake. Twitch and Beef come up the elevator, but after pushing several buttons, Megabyte manages to trigger the gas and knock them out. The semi-conscious Zimmerman says the chart shows the satellite's trajectory and the new trajectory it's being hijacked onto so they can use the weather machine to the fullest extent. They know it's being operated from England, but don't know where to start looking. Adam shows Megabyte and Amy the notes Cobb tore up, and they find a photo of Better Sea Power Station. Cobb, Middlemass, and Wilkie have parked the truck there and are setting up the machine. The satellite comes into position and Middlemass activates the interceptor. Lucy and Bishop see them. Lucy sends Mr. Bishop to get the police. Cobb watches a TV reporter talking about the satellite going off course. Cobb intends to destroy the rival's corn supply. Middlemass exits the truck and tells Adam it can't be stopped. Adam jumps into the truck and drives off. Cobb is thrown out of the rear in that moment. He turns to confront Amy and Megabyte, and just then a lightning discharge hits his staff. Adam drives the truck into a warehouse, smashing the satellite dish on the low doorway and ending the storm. Megabyte, Amy, and Lucy are horrified as the machine and the weather house explode. But then Adam teleports behind them. Soon after, Cobb, Wilkie, and Middlemass are taken away by the police. 
Adam and Lucy nervously arrange a date. Megabyte and Amy chat to Mr. Bishop about his scoop. He's looking forward to writing about the Tomorrow People, but Adam says they'll have to leave that part out. Lucy offers to write about it, and Mr. Bishop says there'll be a job for her when she finishes her studies. Lucy says that from now on, she'll write about whatever she wants, even if it's the weather forecast. They all share a good laugh together, and that is end of part five and the miniseries arc. Mm. So with all that being said, what do you love and hate about this ending? Would you have done it differently? Yes. Why? I would have definitely done it differently. The, the one thing, first of all, uh, I remember what I was wanting to mention about part four was, I know it's a kid's show, but how competitive are these cereal brands? Do we really have to hijack and uh, a satellite and destroy every all the competitors' cornfields just to be the dominant Kellogg in all of? <laughs> That's uh, okay, silly, but again, kids' show. But and I've tried those corn pops, and them things are not that great. Oh, so I why would pops. anybody would like corn? I love corn pops too. They're kind of I sugary don't. and crunchy. Corn pops are great. Corn flakes, no, no. yeah, corn flakes suck. Ugh. I didn't like either. Frosted but. Flakes are kind of okay, but the sugar helps. Davey, we got it made. Is this cool or what? No! Not my corn pops! Ah! You okay? I'm cool. Cool. Kellogg's Corn Pop cereal is part of this complete breakfast. I gotta have my pops. You could have completely got rid of the whole dart scene. Yeah. Uh, in favor of what I'm thinking of doing at the end. Because the dart scene was fine for what it was. And then they played it up where, oh no, I'm shot. Oh look, <laughs> it was just this in my pocket the whole time. Sits down, oh no, I've been stabbed in the butt. Uh, oh, I'm really tired, I'm gonna stay awake just long enough to do what I need and I fall asleep. He, you guys can get to where he need, you need to be faster than what Z Zimmerman can. So get there, he tells you what that is, take off. Uh, even though the, the by that point they realize what's happened and it's taken off, that you can still keep all that. But now you've shaved at least a minute or two off so you can tack it on to the the big climax of the of the show. And mm -hmm. both Megan and I, whenever Wilkie got hit with the satellite, both of us are going, are you kidding me? <laughs> You're gonna do this cop out ending. That is that is no, that was not done well at Too all. Too simple. Too simple. Uh, but yeah. what I would have loved to have seen happen was when he got hit with the satellite, if it was malfunctioning, because when we saw it working appropriately at the beginning and it gave a dude frostbite, what if now that it's malfunctioning and he got hit with it and now it's broken? What if he got some of the abilities and mm. was starting to control the weather there? And now that he's got, he has a God complex and now he's wanting to be in charge of the Colonel 
and now he can do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to answer to the colonel anymore. And he is the monsoon man. Mmm, yes. Now you save time from the beginning and you can have a really cool big showdown between these you actually have reason for these people to teleport. You 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 don't have to do foot chases. You can just have some simple practical effects of rain and the little things where they would have people jump like they were being struck by lightning, but you could and still have Colonel get shocked by the lightning bolt. You could still have that, but now you're you got a really big epic climax. Yeah, I love your version way better because it really amps things up. Um, and it really intensifies the use of the weather machine because for for the most part across the series, it's just been like a, a backseat device where it's like, oh, okay, we see a little demonstration of this here and a little bit there. And, you know, maybe a little bit more here at the end where it's like actually beaming into the sky and we see the the rain and the thunder come down. But I, I always felt like they needed to push that further in some way, whether it be like give someone powers or actually kill a character or just somehow change the dynamic that the tomorrow people have against the villains, because for the most part, it just feels too subdued to me. And, you know, I know, I know it's a kid's show and maybe they're too hesitant to like take it further, but I still think they should have taken the risk. They killing children. They yeah. were going- You, you got <laughs> guns on TV. <laughs> they need to go further. Yeah. Um, first of all, my one of my thoughts was, okay, we're having an adult man drugging a teenage child to force her to say things that she doesn't want to say. Sketchy. Must be tomorrow, people. Because that, <laughs> again, things you can't do now, but they, you could get away with in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, but they had children gassed and going to be smashed by an elevator and run over by a truck and run over by a truck and also shot at by darts and was going to shoot them point blank with a gun Mm -hmm. and shot and hit with a lightning bolt and uh try to kill them with a bomb you could have a cool fight at the end you had a fight with Leaning equipment. Again, you could have just teleported from one end to the other. It saved more for the climax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like your your like plot rewrite, so I don't want to change anything about that. But from like a technical filmic perspective, I would change a few things. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them being, I wanted to see shots of their plan actually succeeding, like seeing some crops start to wither, or at least a, a small hint of that, so that we know, yeah. hey, hey, this is escalating. We need to stop it before it's too late. Instead, of just show yeah. the sky at this weird station. I don't even know where they are. Some some NASA headquarters thing. Um, but I also I also wanted to see Colonel Cobb die when he got struck by lightning or get powers I, or something yeah. because. What? How? You can't survive a, a lightning blast and blast. then get arrested. What the hell? I wanted to see his skeleton for Pete's sake. He's six. not Barry Allen. He's not a Looney Tune, <laughs> even though we called him Yosemite Sam earlier. And they went and they did go the Looney Tune route. Uh, for for those of you who are, we'll we'll play a clip of it. But he gets struck by lightning and then he's charcoaled. He's he's yeah. all black Whoa. and both Megan and I went. Oh come on! Come and get me! <laughs> I hated that so much. It was not the cartoony kind of way I wanted, even though it was kind of yeah. cartoony. The performances cheesy. are cartoony, yeah. but 
the action that they always put into these. I've never really been cartoony, but yeah. that will I mean, my brother there, a mismatch. got electrocuted when he was working at a fast food restaurant when he was a teenager, and he had mm -hmm. to go to the hospital for that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, he should have been, like, dust. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I mean, there are, there are stories of people being struck by lightning and surviving, but there was a lot of hospital care. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. would have been able to spoke so, or anything. Assume Colonel Cobb gets killed in that moment, and then Wilkie takes over, and he's hit with a weather machine, gets his powers, and he faces off against Adam and Megabyte, and they use their arsenal Tomorrow People powers that we really haven't seen throughout this entire miniseries arc, aside from, like, heat hands and teleportation, and they just have an all-out brawl and maybe just try to fight with different weather things being blasted at them, like, uh, you know, hailstorm, uh, flood, uh, more lightning, you know, tornado, anything you can really think of. I just, I, I need to see more variety and just ramp it up more. And how Lucy just kind of essentially falls into the situation mm. and fixes everything, that that was just disappointing. What if uh, he created this horrible tidal wave or something, something that is coming towards one of the characters? And I would say Amy, and she can't get away from it. It's something that will kill you. But she has the ability to draw people to her. And mm. she could, she could teleport Colonel Cobb to where she was, and then she could teleport out leaving him in the wake of what it is that he Ooh, dying by his own hand. Yeah, I like that. A little bit more than lightning. <laughs> you know, they're uh, they're having a writer's strike right now. In <laughs> and we're coming up with ideas. You're, I mean... You're wasting your time. What are you doing here? What you you, you saying this is a waste of time? No, not this. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think we all know that America's <laughs> America's run by corporations like the the Colonel Cobb Company, and they don't care <laughs> flying about all of us. They just want to extract all of our talent and energy until we're all dead batteries in the matrix. So you know, it's yeah. it's already happening. We can't do much about that other than <laughs> boil their weather machine and call it a day. Anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent. Um, so yeah, that was Smart People Monsoon Man. Uh, definitely hits me a lot different now than it used to as a child, as I'm much more aware of all the little intricacies of what's going on behind this tale. Uh, so with that being said, what do you guys give for this mini-series rating overall? I give it a C. <laughs> wow. That's, That's yeah. a low rating. I just, I don't know. I, I wasn't that into it. I don't feel like this would have been something I would have been into as a kid. Um, I mean, there are some things about it that were fine, and like I said, I still feel like the villains were the best part of the whole series. I feel like, you know, uh, they were great, and they did a great yeah, job with their fun. characters. Um, I mean, the, the Tomorrow People themselves were fine. They weren't really annoying, or they didn't bother me. I, I did like them, too. They they were fine with what they had. Um, some of the effects, in my opinion, were kind of, uh, but I mean, even it for is 1994. <laughs> yeah, even for 90s, I've seen. You know, it's like, oh, okay, but but and it's also Nickelodeon where they don't yeah. want to give a budget for anything. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, most of it for me was just some of the story was there. Were, like you said, we had some slow parts. They could have probably cut that part, certain parts out that didn't need. Could help with some pacing. Um, so that's yeah, and, a, and, and Lucy a, just got on my nerves. I really, <laughs> I hope I don't, I wouldn't care if she didn't come back. But that's my that's my grade as a C, just for that reason. And, and for me, 
Uh, I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I I still like Culex Experiment more. Uh, I think that of the three, those that that's my favorite one so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like the villains in this one more than the other two because hmm. they're 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 big and over the top, and their performances are car- cartoony. And I I loved every minute they were on screen. I really loved them. Uh, it's almost like Batman, the mm-hmm. '89 Batman, where Batman is very subdued, but you're constantly watching Jack Nicholson as Joker. You just right. love how off the the hero, the main protagonist, is kind of subdued and boring. But the villain is just so much fun. You can't not watch them. Uh, that's very much what what this was. But uh, f- the the plot the plot was really fun and interesting. But it, the reason for why they were doing what they doing, even for a kids show, was kind of silly because they it's never really been silly before. Um, at least not for that. The the motivation has never really been silly. This one kind of was. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of things that I just didn't care for. Uh, I, I I didn't like how they handled a lot of the, the, the holes that I was pointing out earlier uh, of why they couldn't they could have done this to save this and um, it got a little too cartoonish with their uh, execution uh, I really didn't like having to retread territory with mom. Um, there was plot-wise, story-wise, there was just things that they could have tightened up, and all those added up after a while for me. So I don't, I don't go as low as a C, but I do give it a B. Okay. Um, for mine, I have two different opinions on this based on how I watched it with fresh eyes as a kid and rewatching again as an adult as of yesterday. Um, As a kid, I was really excited by this. I had never even heard of anything like a machine that could alter the weather. I thought it was both exciting and dangerous uh, to witness. So that's why I tuned in and I caught all the like Nickelodeon promos so I can, you know, schedule in my in my agenda when I could go watch it so I can get all five parts and piece the story together. Um, but, you know, like like you said before, there are some plot issues. I really hate seeing the mom again and just argue with Amy. That was just wasted screen time, in my opinion. Um, I, I liked the tour because I found the kid very amusing. Uh, and also the the whole scene with like Colonel Cobb and Amy and Megabyte meeting each other for the first time in the elevator scene that that still sticks with me and that left an impression of like fear and excitement and danger at the same time I, I love him as a villain Colonel Cobb uh, a little bit too much on the hokey side for me like Yosemite Sam that's all I think of uh, but I still think he's enjoyable to watch I, I don't knock that against them i do knock the whole lightning being struck by lightning and surviving it bit though that bothered me um yeah plot wise it was just all over the place with pacing like too slow in the beginning uh too too much going on in part four even though i like some of those parts and then part five just seemed like a you know Mm -hmm. over the cliff and then down five feet and the the story is resolved Um, yeah Lucy definitely felt shoehorned in there. I wish she had more time to develop or even was introduced in Culex experiment to kind of segue her in as like a new cast member who's who's assisting the tomorrow people because we don't have General Damon this time around and maybe yeah. she replaces that spot um, for lack of a better like casting. So I 
as a kid, I would I would have given this an S, a splatterific, because I found it really exciting and just waiting for the the different parts and seeing all the different ways they're like messing with the weather to affect people. And of course, the explosions. I, I love them blowing up the, the reporter uh, newspaper place. Which, but, of course, it was made for whenever you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. It was my target demographic and I was eating it up because it felt very mature for a show back then, like Are You Afraid of the Dark? But now I'm just like, oh, there's all these problems here. And I've, I, I can't I can't unsee um, Wilkie as George Costanza and Middle Mass as like Captain Crunch. <laughs> and like, uh, <laughs> you know, you got all these weird cartoonish characters. I'm just piecing together in my mind. I'm like, oh, this does this somehow diminishes this bleh. somehow this dismin diminishes the excitement and the thrill that I had perceived with child goggles on. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time talking tonight. Tripping on my tongue. Probably all those corn crinkles I ate before this episode. Me. Yeah, it's making my tongue swell up. But um now I would give it a splash factory of Alex, a B. I don't think it's better than Origin Story or Culex Experiment, because mm -hmm. Culex Experiment was brilliant and this is just kind of like what are we gonna do for the third one? Cause we have to <laughs> we have to try and meet or see the expectations that were set so high with the second one. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an S as a kid, a B as an adult, which gives my rating as a BS. <laughs> <laughs> What does that stand for? For sitter. Yeah, sitter. <laughs> Originally, I was going to have initials for babysitter, but then I would have been going around wearing a big BS, and you understand why I couldn't go with that. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, now that the sun has finally come out after all that mess, uh, let's play a retro replay segment. <laughs> retro replay. So for Retro Replay, we're going to go back to one of our favorite segments where we're essentially going to show clips from the Tomorrow People and see what happens next or, you know, kind of give it an I Spy treatment where we're going to see if Alex and Megan catch any of the details that I pick up on in these clips that are coming right up. So Megan, here... Megan thinks to pick up any of them because she's not wearing her glasses. Uh, well, she can play. I mean, you can play for both of you. Um, what? <laughs> but here's... So here's the first clip. I'm going to be a solo host. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going to take over and just flood my way through it. Hmm? Roll up, roll up, roll up for a little taste of heaven. All the way from the US of A, Colonel Carbs Corn Crinkles. They're delicious. They're delightful. They're simply the best. Howdy, partner. Care for a crinkle? The sunniest cereal this side of the Mississippi. No, thanks. Oh, come on, kid. One crinkle and you'll be begging for the bowl. Yeah, I'm sure. <sighs> okay, so leaving off there, um, essentially what you'll predict for two points is does Megabyte like the cereal or does he hate it? Do we answer? Oh. Yes, we answer. We're, we're competing. Oh, hated it. Hated it is correct. Amy hated it too. I think everyone who's tried it who wasn't Colonel Cobb hates it. It looks like noodles and, that, and milk. That same clip, can you back it up just a hair and tell me what the name of the cereal is that we see behind them? Because it looked like it was called Spit. I thought <laughs> the same thing. 
Oh, splits. Splits. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it went That's so fun. fast, I couldn't really tell. Yeah. Okay, so two points for Megan. Okay, so for clip two, we're going to part three. And uh, you have to guess what happens. Me? Yeah? Yeah, I love him. And my mom, she's a big fan. Yeah, I, I bought two boxes this week. Real tasty. But do you truly, truly like him? Definitely. My favorite. Good. I'm real, real glad to hear that. What um, does he pull his pocket? Yeah, what does he take out of his pocket? Uh, he, he pulls out two little uh, sample packets of his cereal. Yes, that is correct. Two points for Alex. Okay, so here is clip yeah. three from part two. Now is the winter of our discontent. Make glorious summer by this son of York. Grimpy's just war has smoothed his wrinkled front. And now, instead of mounting barbed steeds to fright the souls of fearful adversaries, he capers nimbly in a lady's chamber to the lascivious pleasing of a lute. Tra-la-la! But I, that I'm not shaped for sportive tricks, deformed, unfinished, sent before my time into this breathing world, scarce half made up, and so lamely and unfashionable that dogs bark at me. Rawr! Once more to the breach, dear friends. Romans, countrymen, lend me your horse. A horse, my kingdom for a horse. Cry God for Harry, England, and St. George. Um, what was the talent agent holding in his right hand? A donut? No. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, documents, paper. No, it was a piece of pizza. Uh, I knew it was food. That's, that's right. They brought like, the pizza in. Yeah. 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 Because he ordered a pizza pie right before he let uh, Megabyte into audition. Um, okay. So we're on clip four. Oh, look, Beef, a party. And nobody invited us. Ain't that a shame? Never mind. We'll get Crash. So for clip four, once the henchmen find Megabyte and his friends in uh, Colonel Cobb's office, do they end up kidnapping them? No. No. That is correct. Two points for each of you. Okay, last clip. Stop being so negative about everything. Look at me. The paper's shut down. I'm out of work, but I'm still smiling. Until we reopen, I'll just take it easy and enjoy a few weeks' paid leave. Who said anything about paid leave? You know what you need? Yes, a bomb-proof bunker and a bottle of whiskey. What does Annette say that uh, Mr. Bishop needs? A holiday. That is correct. Two points for Megan. Minus two for Megan? Oh. <laughs> I'll do one more. No, no, no. It's no. Fine. <laughs> Megan wins. Yay. Good job, Megan. You Yay. won retro replay. Six to four. It was close till the end. Yeah. I was like, oh, a, ho a holiday. Holiday. <laughs> a holiday. All right, guys, now that we're done with our miniseries review, uh, any final thoughts on Monsoon Man before we head out for the day? Uh, tomorrow, people, just in general, it's it's not really for everybody, but they are really fun to check out, uh, particularly the Culex experiment. But this one, if you like really hokey, cheesy, over-the-top villains that just chew the scenery up and you're willing to just let reality go out the window just have fun it's not a bad watch it's it's pretty decent 
Yeah, I think it's a pretty fun series. Um, obviously, my perspective on Monsoon Man has changed over the past few decades, but you know, if you can suspend your disbelief with all the problems it has with like the pacing or the cartoonishness compared to the other more serious toned ones, you know, it's still it's still worth your time at least a once over watch, um, if nothing else, just so you can get a sense of what the series is like with how you know tomorrow people solve mysteries and use psychic abilities, mostly teleporting to get to places and try and stop villains from taking over the world with cereal or bugs or you know just trying to cash in on their on their uh special powers yeah Alrighty. well i think we're done for today uh so here's our closing question how does monsoon man miniseries arc rank for you compared to the other arcs that we've covered so far in, in the tomorrow people tv series write to us via email at splatattack2021 at gmail.com or dm us on instagram at splatattack podcast you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Splatattack Podcast, or just interact with us wherever you feel most comfortable doing so on social media. Thank you, Meg, so much for joining us today. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we go? Uh, just be sure to check out the Meg Reacts. I think we've got another episode of Meg Reacts coming. A bonus a, one. A Sur bonus. Surprise, one. surprise. We're having an encore. We are having one more than we had initially planned. I'm on. so excited. I've actually really enjoyed doing the Meg Reacts, so I hope I get to come back next season for another round of Meg Reacts. I'm a little bit easier to handle than my child, so <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we can partner up sometime. I can get Sam to join me with one, so uh, but yeah, be sure to check it out. Looking forward to it. Yeah, those videos have been great, and I'm really excited for the, the bonus one we're going to get at the end of the season. All right, tune in next time, Slimesters, when we pack our bags and head to two spooky summer camps to ignite a heated versus battle between Are You Afraid of the Darks, The Tale of Watchers Woods, and Goosebumps Welcome to Camp Nightmare. Who will escape the unspeakable evil lurking in the forest? Find out here, only on Splat Attack. Until then, Alex, will you drain the slime tank for us, please? I gotta quickly walk my dog before another deluge of rain strikes unexpectedly. Aye, aye, go Captain. Now, while you're at it, I'll just enjoy some of these wonderful corn cob crinkles. <laughs> you have to pick your teeth after every bite. <laughs> Ugh, gross, Alex. How can you even eat that? There's no flavor or nutritional value. Easy. I just think of sweet, savory taste of corn. Gotta have my pops. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the meantime, watch out for any strange weathermen and bugs out there. You too, Meg. Mm. Uh, Splat you later, Slimesters. <laughs> Bye. Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. <laughs> I reckon it's time for me to go. I'm glad that's over. Now for a peaceful night's sleep. Well, that does it for now. Yeah, we gotta catch a train. Since I'm going home, you can't my artsy crafts project. It's a tweezer holder. All right, guys. Let's go fuck. How long have we been away? <laughs> See you soon. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye. The Tomorrow People are back, and only Nick's got them. What a delightful and unexpected pleasure. Watch ordinary kids with extraordinary powers in a brand new adventure, Monsoon Man. Watch them take on... The Colonel. The Colonels. <laughs> nobody can stop me now. Not nobody.
Will they take the wind out of this weather-making maniac, or will his power blow them away? Don't miss the next chapter of an all-new adventure of The Tomorrow People, this Saturday at 6, 5 central, only on Nick.